Chapter 2, Part 1 of Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kish. Memoirs of Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles McKay, Volume 2, Chapter 2. The Witch Mania, Part 1. What wrath of gods or wicked influence of tears, conspiring wretched men to afflict, hath poured on earth this noyous pestilence that mortal minds doth inwardly infect with love of blindness and of ignorance? Spencer's Tears of the Muses. Countrymen, hang her, beat her, kill her. Justice, how now? Forbear this violence. Mother Sawyer. A crew of villains, a knot of bloody hangmen, set to torment me. I know not why. Justice. Alas, neighbor Banks, are you a ringleader in mischief? Fee, to abuse an aged woman. Banks. Woman? A she-hellcat, a witch. To prove her one, we no sooner set fire on the thatch of her house, but in she came running, as if the devil had sent her in a barrel of gunpowder. Ford's Witch of Edmonton. The belief that disembodied spirits may be permitted to revisit this world has its foundation upon that sublime hope of immortality, which is at once the chief solace and greatest triumph of our reason. Even if revelation did not teach us, we feel that we have that within us which shall never die, and all our experience of this life but makes us cling the more fondly to that one repaying hope. But in the early days of little knowledge, this grand belief became the source of a whole train of superstitions which, in their turn, became the font from whence flowed a deluge of blood and horror. Europe, for a period of two centuries and a half, brooded upon the idea, not only that parted spirits walked the earth to meddle in the affairs of men, but that men had power to summon evil spirits to their aid to work woe upon their fellows. An epidemic terror seized upon the nations. No man thought himself secure, either in his person or possessions, from the machinations of the devil and his agents. Every calamity that befell him he attributed to a witch. If a storm arose and blew down his barn, it was witchcraft. If his cattle died of a murrhine, if disease fastened upon his limbs or death entered suddenly and snatched a beloved face from his hearth, they were not visitations of providence, but the works of some neighboring hag whose wretchedness or insanity caused the ignorant to raise their finger and point at her as a witch. The word was upon everybody's tongue. France, Italy, Germany, England, Scotland, and the far north successively ran mad upon this subject, and for a long series of years furnished their tribunals with so many trials for witchcraft that other crimes were seldom or never spoken of. Thousands upon thousands of unhappy persons fell victims to this cruel and absurd delusion. In many cities of Germany, as will be shown more fully in its due place hereafter, the average number of executions for this pretended crime was 600 annually, or two every day, if we leave out the Sundays, when it is to be supposed that even this madness refrained from its work. A misunderstanding of the famous text of the Mosaic Law, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, no doubt led many conscientious men astray, 
whose superstition warm enough before wanted but a little corroboration to blaze out with desolating fury in all ages of the world men have tried to hold converse with superior beings and to pierce by their means the secrets of futurity in the time of moses it is evident that there were impostors who trafficked upon the credulity of mankind and insulted the supreme majesty of the true god by pretending to the power of divination hence the law which moses by divine command promulgated against these criminals but it did not follow as the superstitious monomaniacs of the middle ages imagined that the bible established the existence of the power of divination by its edicts against those who pretended to it from the best authorities it appears that the hebrew word which has been rendered vinifica and which means a poisoner and a divineress a dabbler in spells or fortune teller the modern witch was a very different character and joined to her pretended power of foretelling future events that of working evil upon the life limbs and possessions of mankind this power was only to be acquired by an express compact signed in blood with the devil himself by which the wizard or witch renounced baptism and sold his or her immortal soul to the evil one without any saving clause of redemption there are so many wondrous appearances in nature for which science and philosophy cannot even now account that it is not surprising that when natural laws were still less understood men should have attributed to supernatural agency every appearance which they could not otherwise explain the merest tyro now understands various phenomena which the wisest of old could not fathom the schoolboy knows why upon high mountains there should on certain occasions appear three or four suns in the firmament at once and why the figure of a traveller upon one eminence should be reproduced inverted and of a gigantic stature upon another we all know the strange pranks which imagination can play in certain diseases that the hypochondriac can see visions and spectres and that there have been cases in which men were perfectly persuaded that they were teapots science has lifted up the veil and rolled away all the fantastic horrors in which our forefathers shrouded these and similar cases the man who now imagines himself a wolf is sent to the hospital instead of the stake as in the days of the witch mania and earth air and sea are unpeopled of the grotesque spirits that were once believed to haunt them before entering further into the history of witchcraft it may be as well if we consider the absurd impersonation of the evil principle formed by the monks and their legends we must make acquaintance with the prima mobile and understand what sort of personage it was who gave the witches in exchange for their souls the power to torment their fellow-creatures the popular notion of the devil was that he was a large ill-formed hairy sprite with horns a long tail cloven feet and dragon's wings in this shape he was constantly brought on the stage by the monks in their early miracles and mysteries in these representations he was an important personage and answered the purpose of the clown in the modern pantomime the great fun for the people was to see him well belabored by the saints with clubs or cudgels and to hear him howl with pain as he limped off maimed by the blow of some vigorous anchorite st dustin generally served him the glorious trick for which he is renowned catching hold of his nose with a pair of red-hot pinchers till rocks and distant dells resounded with his cries some of the saints spat in his face to his very great annoyance and others chopped off pieces of his tail which however always grew on again 
this was paying him in his own coin and amused the populace mightily for they all remembered the scurvy tricks he had played on them and their forefathers it was believed that he endeavored to trip people up by laying his long invisible tail in their way and giving it a sudden whisk when their legs were over it that he used to get drunk and swear like a trooper and be so mischievous in his cups as to raise tempests and earthquakes to destroy the fruits of the earth and the barns and homesteads of true believers that he used to run invisible spits into people by way of amusing himself in the long winter evenings and to proceed to taverns and regale himself with the best offering in payment pieces of gold which on the dawn of the following morning invariably turned into slates sometimes disguised as a large drake he used to lurk among the bulrushes and frighten the weary traveller out of his wits by his awful quack the reader will remember the lines of burns in his address to the devil which so well expressed the popular notion on this point a dreary windy winter night the stars shot down with skeleton light with you myself i got a fright ayant the low yea like a rash bush stood in sight with wavering sow the cudgel in my nave did shake each bristled hair stood like a stake when with an eldritch stowel quake quake among the springs away ye squattered like a drake on whistling wings in all the stories circulated and believed about him he was represented as an ugly petty mischievous spirit who rejoiced in playing off all manner of fantastic tricks upon poor humanity milton seems to have been the first who succeeded in giving any but a ludicrous description of him the sublime pride which is the quintessence of evil was unconceived before his time all other limners made him merely grotesque but milton made him awful in this the monks showed themselves but miserable romancers for their object undoubtedly was to represent the fiend as terrible as possible but there was nothing grand about their satan on the contrary he was a low mean devil whom it was easy to circumvent and fine fun to play tricks with but as is well and eloquently remarked by a modern writer the subject also has its serious side an indian deity with its wild distorted shape and grotesque attitude appears merely ridiculous when separated from its accessories and viewed by daylight in a museum but restore it to the darkness of its own hideous temple bring back to our recollection the victims that have bled upon its altar or been crushed beneath its car and our sense of the ridiculous subsides into aversion and horror so while the superstitious dreams of former times are regarded as mere speculative insanities we may be for a moment amused with the wild incoherencies of the patients but when we reflect that out of these hideous misconceptions of the principle of evil arose the belief in witchcraft that this was no dead faith but one operating on the whole being of society urging on the wisest and the mildest to deeds of murder or cruelties scarcely less than murder that the learned and the beautiful young and old male and female were devoted by its influence to the stake and the scaffold every feeling disappears except that of astonishment that such things could be and humiliation at the thought that the delusion was as lasting as it was universal besides this chief personage there was an infinite number of inferior demons who played conspicuous parts in the creed of witchcraft the pages of becker le lawyer bowden del rio and de lancre abound with descriptions of the qualities of these imps and the functions which were assigned them 
from these authors three of whom were commissioners for the trial of witches and who wrote from the confessions made by the supposed criminals and the evidence delivered against them and from the more recent work of m jules garnet the following summary of the creed has been with great pains extracted the student who is desirous of knowing more is referred to the works in question he will find enough in every leaf to make his blood curdle with shame and horror but the purity of these pages shall not be soiled by anything so ineffably humiliating and disgusting as a complete exposition of them what is here culled will be a sufficient sample of the popular belief and the reader would but lose time who should seek in the writings of these demonologists for more ample details he will gain nothing by lifting the veil which covers their unutterable obscenities unless like sterne he wishes to gather fresh evidence of what a beast man is in that case he will find plenty there to convince him that the beast would be libelled by the comparison it was thought that the earth swarmed with millions of demons of both sexes many of whom like the human race traced their lineage up to adam who after the fall was led astray by devils assuming the forms of beautiful women to deceive him these demons increased and multiplied among themselves with the most extraordinary rapidity their bodies were of the thin air and they could pass through the hardest substances with the greatest ease they had no fixed residence or abiding place but were tossed to and fro in the immensity of space when thrown together in great multitudes they excited whirlwinds in the air and tempests in the waters and took delight in destroying the beauty of nature and the monuments of the industry of man although they increased among themselves like ordinary creatures their numbers were daily augmented by the souls of wicked men of children stillborn of women who died in childbed and of persons killed in duels the whole air was supposed to be full of them and many unfortunate men and women drew them by the thousands into their mouths and nostrils at every inspiration and the demons lodging in their bowels or other parts of their bodies tormented them with pains and diseases of every kind and sent them frightful dreams st gregory of nice relates a story of a nun who forgot to say her benedicti and make the sign of the cross before she sat down to supper and who in consequence swallowed a demon concealed among the leaves of a lettuce most persons said the number of these demons was so great that they could not be counted but Verus asserted that they amounted to no more than seven millions four hundred and five thousand nine hundred and twenty six and that they were divided into seventy-two companies or battalions to each of which there was a prince or captain they could assume any shape they pleased when they were male they were called incubi and when female succubi they sometimes made themselves hideous and at other times they assumed shapes of such transcendent loveliness that mortal eyes never saw beauty to compete with theirs although the devil and his legions could appear to mankind at any time it was generally understood that he preferred the night between friday and saturday if satan himself appeared in human shape he was never perfectly and in all respects like a man he was either too black or too white too large or too small or some of his limbs were out of proportion to the rest of his body most commonly his feet were deformed and he was obliged to curl up and conceal his tail in some part of his habiliments for take what shape he would he could not get rid of that encumbrance he sometimes changed himself into a tree or a river and upon one occasion he transformed himself into a barrister as we learn from verus book four chapter nine 
in the reign of philippe le bel he appeared to a monk in the shape of a dark man riding a tall black horse then as a friar afterwards as an ass and finally as a coach-wheel instances are not rare in which both he and his inferior demons have taken the form of handsome young men and successfully concealing their tails have married beautiful young women who have had children by them such children were easily recognizable by their continual shrieking by their requiring five nurses to suckle them and by their never growing fat all these demons were at the command of any individual who would give up his immortal soul to the prince of evil for the privilege of enjoying their services for a stated period the wizard or witch could send them to execute the most difficult missions whatever the witch commanded was performed except it was a good action in which case the order was disobeyed and evil worked upon it herself instead at intervals according to the pleasure of satan there was a general meeting of the demons and all the witches this meeting was called the sabbath from its taking place on the saturday or immediately after midnight on fridays these sabbaths were sometimes held for one district sometimes for another and once at least every year it was held on the brocken or among other high mountains as a general sabbath of the fiends for the whole of christendom the devil generally chose a place where four roads met as the scene of this assembly or if that was not convenient the neighborhood of a lake upon this spot nothing would ever afterwards grow as the hot feet of the demons and witches burnt the principle of fecundity from the earth and rendered it barren forever when orders had been once issued for the meeting of the sabbath all the wizards and witches who failed to attend it were lashed by demons with a rod made of serpents or scorpions as a punishment for their inattention or want of punctuality in france and england the witches were supposed to ride uniformly upon broomsticks but in italy and spain the devil himself in the shape of a goat used to transport them on his back which lengthened or shortened according to the number of witches he was desirous of accommodating no witch when proceeding to the sabbath could get out by a door or window were she to try ever so much their general mode of ingress was by the keyhole and of egress by the chimney up which they flew broom and all with the greatest ease to prevent the absence of the witches from being noticed by their neighbors some inferior demon was commanded to assume their shapes and lie in their beds feigning illness until the sabbath was over end of chapter two part one recording by kish